again, and welcome to Enlabro. It's uh, once again good to uh, do another podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. We're into episode six uh, this week, and the title of this episode is The Cross and Your Brain. And uh, we're getting into a little more meat of uh, what Enlabro is all about, so I hope you enjoy this. Again, episode six, The Cross and Your Brain. Enjoy. past five episodes, I've uh, tried really hard to lay out a clear foundation for the reason and the pursuit of this podcast. The hope is to give a compelling reason to people of all walks of life and faith to re-examine and reconnect themselves with what I think is the real reason uh, for the Christian faith. Christianity is a transformational message, not a primarily religious message. And if there's ever been a time, at least in my own life and experience, that the world could use a clear understanding of the faith, its message and its practice, well, it's right now. And if, but of course, I, I guess that's true any time of any person and any pilgrim who's ever walked this earth. It's always now, as I've said before in previous podcasts, today is always the day of salvation. And I think the church, uh, the message, I guess, needs a, a new Pentecost moment, a moment when the world can once again hear and understand, I guess, the native language of our faith. Because in my opinion, that's really the true miracle of Pentecost, I know everybody seems to focus on speaking in tongues and the languages, while the real focus, in my opinion, should be on what was heard, what was understood, what was received by the people who listened to Peter's Jerusalem message that day. They really heard it. They received it. It became a part of who they are, who they were. You know, there are plenty of preachers and pastors speaking in tongues these days, and speaking on television and radio, and we see them all the time. You go to any number of Pentecostal and charismatic worship services, and you'll find the gift of tongues. I don't think the world's suffering and flailing due to a lack of Christian messaging or speaking in tongues. I don't think that's the problem. Christian messaging is ubiquitous in our culture and society. I sincerely believe that the Current suffering and turmoil is due to the message being unclear, out of focus, and in many cases, just plain untrue. And I know I've taken aim at the religious forms of Christianity, and some of you may think I've done that unfairly. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I haven't had a whole lot of feedback, to be quite honest with you. But I want you to understand that the reason I feel this way and the reason that I have this uh, religious idolatry in my sights is because I think it oftentimes replaces the true transformational message and nature of our faith. 
And Labaro is the name I'm using to identify this transformational process that I believe the entire created order and world participates in varying degrees and ways across the universal spectrum of daily experience. I believe that we're experience, experiencing this transformational message and the yearn for the transformation each and every day. And Romans 8, 20 through 25, I think seems to back me up on this. It says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he really sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. In labro, in labor, we literally all are experiencing the birth pains and labor of a new created order that we're yearning uh, for in our hearts. We're yearning for this to be formed and fashioned in us and through us. It is something we've never seen completely because we can't currently see through this dim glass of labor and pain and suffering very clearly. But I think deep down as we live, view, and experience the futility and suffering of the current created order, we know instinctively that it's not what it's supposed to be. There's something more. So the groaning from the labor pains of, of childbirth and new birth continue. And Labro is my own personal journey and my own personal understanding and attempt to promote the transformational philosophy and spirit of Christian faith and experience. I've walked this message out as a church pastor as well as in a very less orthodox or non-orthodox, non-religious manner the past 10 to 12 years. I believe I've got a rather unique experience having enjoyed both worlds, so to speak. It has led me to the conclusion that a sacred-secular divide exists between the faith and what we know as the real world. This divide has led to an unfair and I think often dismissive attitude towards the faith. At least it's led to a very uh, big lack of an understanding towards the faith. The faith is for those who spend their lives in a church building somewhere. It's not really for people who don't go to church. It's really not for people who don't attend church. But that's just simply not true. For those who spend most of their lives outside of the official denominational church lines and boundaries, the faith, and particularly the church, is largely an outdated and often antiquated organization that is only relevant to those who are members of the club. But I think there's something else that's going on, another divide. I think there's a sacred-secular divide in our own minds about the Christian faith, which is stunning when you consider the sheer number of scriptures that refer to our minds being centered on not the religious aspects of Christianity, but on the spiritual and transformational aspects of the truth of our faith. 
If you do a search of the word mind on a Bible search uh, site such as Bible Hub, it will give you a lot to chew on. I would highly recommend every interested person to run that search when they have a chance. But here's a couple of verses that I think are, are interesting. Romans 8, 6-8. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 12, 2. We've, I've read this verse before on previous podcasts. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I think as we look around the world today, we would take that which is good, acceptable, and perfect right now. Philippians 2 Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any attention or affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude, this mindset in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Apparently, the mind of a believer is rather important in developing the necessary nature and character of an authentic follower of Christ. But ask yourself, when's the last time you've heard a Christian appeal to the mind? There seems to be an obsession with the heart. Ask Jesus into your heart. Give your heart to Jesus. Name your religious cliche here, but very little mention of the critical mindset we need to possess in order to be a mature believer. In future episodes, we're going to dig much deeper into this obvious disconnect and divide, but this week I want to focus on introducing these ideas and concepts that I think might be helpful to those who are trying to find a way to practically understand the spiritual work of taking up your own cross and following Christ. And Labro is dedicated to highlighting and emphasizing this work in the life of the disciple of Christ. I believe it is the central work, taking up your cross daily and following him. But what exactly does it mean? What definitively is this work? Is it possible to have an awareness of it in my life? And I think to understand and appreciate these questions, we're going to turn to, well, an unlikely source for many, neuroscience and neuropsychology. Neuropsychology is a branch of psychology that is concerned with how the brain, as well as the rest of the nervous system in our body, influence and cultivate a person's cognitive function and behaviors. In short, neuropsychology seeks to understand how our brains correlate to our minds. For, for a very simple illustration, maybe too simple even, it's much like, though not exactly like, a computer where the hardware is the brain and the software is the mind. And just as a computer needs updated software in order to run effectively, so our brains need 
mindset upgrades and transformation in order to function operatively and cooperatively with others. And in this regard, I'm grateful for the work that so many people have done in this field. Brene Brown, Ian McGilchrist, Carol Dweck, Timothy Jen Jennings, Daniel Siegel, as well as many others. But none of these people has influenced my own personal life and pursuit as much as Kurt Thompson. Kurt is an uncle by marriage, but I must admit that I'd readily claim him as my own. We are related, but we are much more than that. We're brothers in the faith. At about the same time, back in 2010, that I was making my way into the wilderness, Kurt's first book was published. It was titled The Anatomy of the Soul, Surprising Connections Between Neuroscience and Spiritual Practices That Can Transform Your Life and Relationships. Five years later, Kurt published a second book, The Soul of Shame, retelling stories, the stories we believe about ourselves. I've read both of these books several times, and yes, I hope to interview Kurt in a subsequent podcast very, very soon. But until then, I want to introduce him and these concepts in a more personal and relational way. You know, Kurt and I don't get together as often as we'd like, but when we do, the talks, laughter, and discussion we share is pure gold treasure. No one encourages me like Kurt Thompson. Through his work, as well as the aforementioned names, I've come to understand my own cross in a very unique and deliberate way. It's helpful to understand how our minds are transformed from moment to moment, both individually and collectively, as we walk through life together as the body of Christ. We differ in great ways from our ancestors of the faith. The science just didn't exist in first century Judea, nor did the technology exist to explain and measure brain function in a human being. But it is remarkable to consider that many of the New Testament writers, many of the scripture, scriptural writings in the New Testament, intuitively reveal truth that the time could not be known scientifically, logically, or technologically. And again, we're going to dive more into this uh, in depth in the coming weeks. But for the time being, let me just say this. I believe that the work of taking up your own cross daily actually has a neuropsychological explanation in how our brain functions in developing our mindset toward ourselves and others. It could even be said that our brain actually performs in the pattern of a cross in terms of function, top to bottom, bottom to top, right to left, and left to right. This pattern emerges more definitively as we focus and pay attention to our feelings and attempt to feel and understand the feelings of others. This process of focus and attention could be described as the discipline of self-awareness or even go beyond and talk about it in terms of the discipline of self-denial in that we overcome our tendency to pay attention and focus solely on our own needs, our own wants, and our own desires. The goal in this would be to have a fully integrated brain and nervous system that was aware of both its capacities and limitations in terms of mind and mindset, especially as it pertains to the life and experiences of others in our life. This full integration leads to the ability to hear and react to the lives and stories of others in a genuinely empathic, spiritual way. In other words, this full integration of our brain and our mindset 
gives us the ability to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And beloved, this transformational process is happening in us and around us all the time. As our brain functions in this cross-like pattern, integrating all of our feelings and thoughts, our logical and analytical the parts of our brain with the creative and, uh, and the expressive forms of our brain, functions of our brain, this process continually updates, upgrades, and transforms our mindset it's amazing and, might I say, mind-blowing to even consider it. All we have to do is really focus, train, and pay attention to the discipline that we need in ourselves for this process to take place. These next few weeks and these next few episodes, I think, are going to be a lot of fun and both a lot of work as we look to the cross and our brain, the cross, and our minds. I look forward to the journey ahead, and again, as always, I thank you for listening.